Welcome to the Post Sunday Podcast, presented by Genesis Church. A place to go further, discover more, and to learn things you possibly never have. It's not just enough to know of God. We want you to know Him. Coming to you from sunny Orlando, Florida, it's time to rethink life the way God intended. This is the Genesis Post Sunday Podcast. What is going on, everybody? Really excited to have you guys with us here in week three of our never-ending story, but uh, just our post-Sunday podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We're really excited about that. I'm your host, uh, along with Pastor Tim Grandstaff, Johnny Sierra. Uh, What's going on, man? What's going on? Welcome back. Everybody listening, welcome. Episode three. Good. Uh, it's going to be a good day to unfold uh, the scriptures on, on another level for all of you listening as we hope uh, to uh, build a passion inside of you to know the word of God, just not know about the word of God. Yeah, this is this is really tapping into the next level, uh, just thought process and, um, and 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 just really what God was was working through and. In, in the preparation of the word and a lot of things like that. But um, if you're tuning in for the first time, welcome. And what is Post Sunday Podcast? Uh, just in a nutshell, Post Sunday Podcast is presented by Genesis Church Orlando. It's a podcast dedicated to diving deeper into the word of God. Post Sunday Podcast will be weekly aired and will be continuation from Sunday's word at Genesis Church Orlando. Um, we'll include practical applications, questions, uh, that you can take with you, but you can find and listen to us on your favorite podcast platform, as well as follow us on Instagram at Post Sunday Podcast. Also, don't forget to check us out uh, at Genesis Church Orlando live on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11:30. We'll be having a special anniversary service this coming weekend uh, at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., and 11:30. So it's going to be a big one this weekend, and you can find all that at GenesisChurchOrlando.com. Uh, backslash or, or dot com for the main website and then backslash YouTube, uh, youtube.com backslash Genesis Church Orlando to check us out live. But uh, yeah, uh, got all that out the way. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> you know, it's been uh, three weeks in for those that are listening or checking in uh, here at Genesis. We are marching through the Bible. And uh, as we've said, while we don't get to hit every story in the Bible, doing it from Sunday to Sunday as a church. Um, we're, we're walking through the scope of God's story. And so there's, there's certain chapters and stories that, uh, it, it's like we're, we're marching through moment by moment, and then we'll kind of take some leaps and skips and, and things like that. However, um, being just three weeks in, you know, uh, Chad, who's here with us today, unfolding Genesis chapter four, which, uh, is just a, a, a great picture, I believe, as Chad uh, explained yesterday, of the way we approach God's word versus the way we need to approach God's mm-hmm. word. And so what we, we realize often is that we grab our Bibles and there's things we want from God's word, and, and that's not necessarily terrible. However, um, first and foremost, we need to step back and go, what do we need to see or, or to hear or to learn from God's word. And a lot of these stories that even if people grew up in church, they, they've heard, they've known, they've been taught before. Um, we think we already have the perspective or what the story is about. Mm. And, and often what we realize is, is that uh, there's a different 
perspective or there's a different angle to the story that we've been missing or have failed to um, to really uh, discover within the story. And when you do, it makes you realize that the things you put your importance on may not be the most important thing in the story you need to understand. And yeah. so, you know, Chad's with us today, and I think, you know, he came right out the shoot yesterday and was like, listen, this story is more about the sacrifice than it is about the murder. And in our human nature, we want to read the story and be like, how in the world in four chapters do we get to a murder? And that's a, <laughs> that's a real question. And, and that's, you know, the reality of the story. Um, at the same time, there's something deeper within the story. And that's why we're doing this podcast, because those listening, those taking this into their life groups, those that are just, you know, riding in the car going, hey, what more is there? Mm-hmm. Um, it's that different perspective that I think draws out the deeper truths of God's story and reveals to us much more about him and who we are and what we're, what we're created to do. And so, you know, as, as Chad jumps in here today, you know, I think that was, that was your, your on-ramp was just, this is about sacrifice. So kind of unwrap that for a second. Yeah. The first thing that I would say is one of the cool things about this past week was having Johannes with me in my home the week before I was getting ready to, to speak. And it just reminded me that it's so cool to have people you can talk about the scripture with. Because when both of us sat down at the very beginning, we both read it, didn't say anything. And then we started in on, okay, well, let's, let's kind of break it down together. And so he would see things that I didn't see. I would see things he didn't see. I would have a perspective that he didn't have. And so just as we unpacked it together, it was so cool just because like you just said, Tim, you know, growing up, it's all I ever heard was murder. So Cain and Abel, it's murder. It's all, it's only a story about murder. And so when we first asked that first question that I even asked yesterday is what drove him to commit that? And I think when you get to the root of the problem and you get to the root of the issue, that's where it went back to the sacrifice. And so the whole message was really trying to get to the point of what drove him to commit that murder. And that's where we unwrapped it. It was the sacrifice. It was what he thought about the sacrifice. It was what he did and all those things that I discussed yesterday about it. But that was the, that was kind of how we unpacked it and got to, it was all about a sacrifice is because it was what drove him to commit that murder. So lots of, lots of stuff yesterday that, that I couldn't share that I didn't share that we talked about last, you know, last week, just together in my home. But I would encourage everybody find people that you can talk about the scripture with. That's why groups are so important. That's why doing um, what a lot of our groups are doing this semester is so important when they're talking about the message and they're talking about that, because that is what I think lack of a lot of people lack are people that they can just have spiritual conversations with about the Bible, you know? And so that's how we got there. Just answering the question, what drove him to commit that murder? Yeah. Yeah, what I love about Chad is um, he always um, he he asks the the real questions and is not afraid to 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 address that. Like he'll read a scripture and be like, "Why?" Yeah. <laughs> you know, like whereas you know I'll read it and be like, "Cool," you know, like on to the next. He's yeah. like, "No, no, why, why why did he do that?" Like, yeah. so I feel like that was a, this was a perfect example of that. Like, just really like asking what drove. Uh, this murder, what what was the thought process? What was going on before then? Um, you mentioned that the offerings were ex- expression of their gratitude to God to whom they owed all they had. I, I love that he also mentioned that it, it wasn't uh, something that God pressed upon them. Can you like can, when you when you 
talked about that. Like, yeah, that was that was something that was kind of weird to me. And Johannes actually brought that up. I had never thought about that. Mm. You know, I mean, I'm what forty three. I've known this story probably a solid 30 years of my life. And I'd never thought about that, you know, because I always assumed because so many times what we do is we take the story and we put it much farther down in history, much farther down the road. And so when Johannes said that, that really, that changed my mentality. And that's when I began to ask that question. Okay, well, if, if God didn't ask for it, God didn't require it, then why would they do it? And so the expression of gratitude um, that, that each of them felt is what drove them to that sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And it's that need and that deep desire. And so we all walk through life, you know, those that have a relationship with God, we, we all walk through life and sometimes we feel close and sometimes we feel far and, you know, but the thing is God's never moved. It's always us that has moved. Mm -hmm. God is the same yesterday, today, forever. So for us, it's what, what do we do when we have that deep desire for, and that longing for fellowship with God? You know, oh, and it's when you go to him and, and you're reminded of the goodness of God and what he's done for you and how he's done those things and the blessings that he's given you. And that's really what started that, that sacrifice is that deep desire and expression of gratitude that those, the both Cain and Abel had, you know, but as we, as we unpacked yesterday, you know, it was the, the depth of the heart of Abel that, you know, ultimately was the difference. Yeah. I would say for those that are listening, obviously you can go back and watch our sermons um, however, just by dialing into this podcast, the, that that next step of unfolding the scriptures is why we're here, you know, and I think that that's, that was evident and that's been evident within the story, you know, whether you are sitting with us right now and you can open your Bible to Genesis 4 or you have recollection of the story or at some point you can go back and read the story is, is picking up on things like you said, you know, chat ask questions, you know, some of the times... We, we talk about, you know, a uh, hundred questions to ask of the text, you know, because it, it's not questioning in skepticism. It's questioning to, in curiosity, discover more. So why did this happen? What was taking place here? As he just said, um, wait, wait a second. Did God actually, you know, ask for a sacrifice or did they just present the sacrifice? And when you do that with the text, it allows you to, you know, as we've said before, be that, 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 that diamond that the sages used to talk about that every time you turn it in the light, it refracts, you know, uh, a new beam. And that's the scriptures. That's why they're living and they're active because every time you come into it and you kind of just turn that diamond, you know, because it's a treasure, it refracts something new about God, about you, about the story. And, you know, when you, when you look at it yesterday, you know, one of the things that Chad really did a great job of pointing out was the heart of their sacrifice and really paying attention to that, that, you know, Cain brought some of the first fruits, you know, so as he said, here, here's the first fruits that that's the first of what you've been working so hard in the ground to reap back. And he gives some of it and, and really almost in a way to appease God where Abel brings the very best that he has and the very best portions of it um, in his in his offering before the Lord. And so obviously it's an animal, so we would use the term sacrifice, but I think offering is is a better word to pay attention to because it was not required. Therefore, it's being offered to God. And so many of us, I believe in our faith, that's how we navigate. We're we're like Cain and Abel, you know, and, and that's why the focus here is on the offering because it, beyond, you know, just the murder, we'll talk about that in a minute, but 
it's it's the posture of our heart. Do we just give God some of what we got back or what we received or what, you know, our job or our career or our talent gave us? Or do we bring him the very best and the best portions of it? Mm-hmm. I think that's a big part of this story that people really don't want to dial into because it really pierces your heart when, when you ask those questions. Yeah, and it's the message yesterday. Could it, we? I mean, it is a it is a prime message for, um, for even a tithing message. You know about what the tithe. You know, and how it's it's not about anything except for giving all that you have, giving the best that you have, giving the first that you have. And so while I was, you know, walking through this this past week, it was, it's tipping versus tithing. You know, it's just tipping God. People come in and give in church and it's like, they, they know they need to give. I was telling Johannes, I said, very few people ever come to church and think that, you know, oh, I didn't know they could give around here. I mean, that's just not the mentality. Everybody, no matter really what church background you come from, it has some sort of offering, you know, in, in that. And so it's the difference between, you know, dropping five, you know, $5 and actually giving tithe, which is your first fruits, you know, what, what you've done the very best and expecting God, you know, and to, to do the rest. And that's where it transitioned from the, you know, from, to the faith part. And that's to me, what was a big thing. And a lot of people, they don't live their life in a life of faith. You know, it's a, it's a security. And I always heard, you know, the opposite of faith is, you know, is doubt. And it's like, no, the opposite of faith is fear. And it's the fear of not knowing what's going to happen next. Mm -hmm. And we don't know if Cain had fear. We don't know if Abel had fear. We don't know that, but we can see by their gift what they had and what we think they had. And so that's the thing that we tried to unpack is just, it's the living life of faith and trusting God. When you give God your first, you know, it's like you're expecting God to do that. And that's what we, that's, that's kind of why it transitioned to that faith point. What's interesting in that is, is, uh, the aspect that we're four chapters into God's story, right? And we go from two full chapters of God saying, I've created everything and given it to you as a gift. He creates the sun, moon, and stars for, for humanity and for earth and for this project that he's creating that he sets human beings into and gives them stewardship and dominion and all these things he chooses to do that. I want to work through my creation. And yet within two chapters, it's as if Cain has gone, no, this isn't yours, God, this is mine. You know, and, and that really shows the posture of a heart, even for ourselves, that we either believe that he's the creator and giver of all things. Therefore we're stewards of what we have, or we do have, you know, somewhat the heart of Cain that no, this is my first fruits. And I'll decide what portions I want to give you or what percentage or, 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 or some of, of these first fruits back as if I'm the one who worked the ground and I created it. Therefore, it's mine first. And, and that's so uh, contrasting to here's this good God creating good things, giving it to creation. And already we have someone kind of holding back going, no, this is mine first from God that fast. Yeah, yeah that's powerful. You, you mentioned uh, the lessons in the sacrifices, um, one of them being bring your best, God your best, um, and that, that all tied into that faith aspect you were talking about. You said faith is building on what you know here is here, so you can reach what you know is there. Um, talk a little bit about that. Uh, I know number two was always pursue righteousness, and three was allow your life to continue to speak. 
So the the faith issue and that 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 quote, you know, is is one that I'm always, and it's just kind of how I live my life. I I try, I strive so hard to just be present in the moment mm. and be worried about right now, you know, and let God take care of the rest. So so many people. I feel like they, they live their life in fear of, I don't know what tomorrow may hold. I don't know what the next day may hold. I don't know what six months is going to hold. And in their, in their brain and their mind, they go so far down the road that they miss the moments that they're in. And I think when we do that, we don't bring our best, you know? And so when we bring our best to God, it's I'm present in this moment. I'm living in this moment. God has given me this right now. And I'm going to, you know, I, I, what's, what's we grew up, we heard, you know, the way to, the way to think about that is everything you have belongs to God, you know, and he allows you to keep 90% of it. You know, I mean, that's better than like the federal government, right? So <laughs> exactly. it's like, <clears throat> it's one of those things where it's like, that's, it's, I'm just, I'm worried about right now. Mm. And I believe in God right now. And this is the faith I have right now. I, I have faith that God will take me where I am. But some people, it's again, it's that they just live in so much fear right now that they're crippled by that. Yeah. And fear is probably one of the most crippling things that, that your body can, can face. It's, dude, it's crazy how, like, how much 10%, right? Because that's the reality of what is God's asking for us. How much of that can become a burden and yeah. a heaviness on people imagine if god asked for 50 yeah. oh my gosh well, like i think what god asked for is all yeah i really do i think god god asked for all because it's it's one of those things where it's it's and it's not a tithing message but it, it so could be and it's not really tithing just giving but god wants it all that's why yeah. i used alki yesterday and i love just how my brain works right alki was nowhere in my notes alki was nowhere in my thoughts you know Probably like for those nowhere. who don't know who alki is yeah. he's, he's a man from the netherlands yeah. a true carpenter like woodworker no nails no screws yeah. like Crazy. everything is joints and dowels and just he, he's he's got a tremendous skill that he learned from his father yeah. in the netherlands so i i see alki sitting outside on the park bench um and I just, you know, I said hi or whatever. And then when I saw him again sitting behind you, Tim, in the first service, I was like, I was thinking, I was just trying in my head to, you know, to connect with your best, mm. just, just your best, whatever it is, your best, your best in relationships, your best in friendships, your best with your spouse, your best with your kids. Like it's so much more than just like money. That's, yeah. that's not it. It's just your best in everything. And I saw Alki and what <laughs> I'm telling you the work, if you ever get into our ministry center and can see what Alki has built, it is absolutely unbelievable. And it just came, I'm like, dude, there's yeah. a guy that literally gives his best. I mean, when it comes to, to what he does, he gives his best. And what a great example, because I feel like if you choose which areas of your life that you're going to give your best, you're not giving your best. And so if you can give your best to your wife, if you can give your best to your kids, if you can give your best to your relationship, just start with those in the rest of your life. It, you begin to live giving your best. And that's what the status quo is. It's my best. I'm present in everything, you know, and that well, was, you, that's you take was him and you take his perspective on his craft. And so when I've sat with him, oh, you know, crazy. he laughs at the American idea of Ikea. You know, we've all got <laughs> Ikea furniture in our house, you know, and, and we all know that when you get Ikea furniture, you got to put it together yourself. And, and more times than not, you mess up and then you break a board and you, you got to go back and get that one piece or whatever that you messed up on. And, you know, when he builds his furniture, like, like a table, for instance, a dining room table, he says, 
this table should last for four or five generations and your grandchildren and great grandchildren should be eating around this table. And so his perspective of, like you said, I'm creating the very best I can. I'm not settling for a cheaper version of it. Mm -hmm. And that's not to throw shade at anybody. We all have Ikea furniture. We have Ikea furniture in here too, along with Alki's, but it's that perspective of what's the best that he carries in his craft. And you think about, and then he's thinking this table or this shelf should be enjoyed four or five generations after me. When That's you give amazing. your best, it always yeah. lasts longer. Yes. You know, and just for the note, I can't buy Ikea furniture because I'm too big. My, my booty won't fit in Ikea chairs, just so you know. So I don't have technically any Ikea so everything furniture. Everything they make is low. Like, <laughs> exactly. My knees don't work <laughs> in Ikea furniture. My first bedroom set was from Ikea. It lasted pretty good, man. But, yeah, you definitely. So I, I would say this. I, I, for a moment, I think, especially if you're listening, lean into this with us for a moment. Because I think that as we've talked about the offering, there is the other aspect of murder and sin. And... You know, a, a few thoughts that, that I think are worth unpacking here today as we take this and kind of open this up for that next level for people is is that that true contrast of Genesis 3. The word sin is never used in Genesis 3, but we know that's when sin entered the world and it's the fall of humanity. The word sin doesn't show up until Genesis 4. Um, but in both instances, as we've been learning, uh, Moses, who's writing, and God, who's told him, obviously, to write these things down, uses pictures for us to understand sin. And in Genesis 3, we know it's a serpent. And as we, as we, 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 we unpacked last week, there's this reality that, that Eve is choosing to talk with the serpent instead of talk with God. And in Genesis 4, it's a picture of a lion. It says, sin is crouching at your door. This is the you know, the stance a lion takes when he's about to attack his prey, you know, he can claw at the door, he's waiting to devour you. And so you have this, this, these pictures, and then you see sin unraveling so fast. And we know this as pastors, because we we're constantly in people's lives. And we tell them like, listen, sin is like a big snowball. When it starts mm -hmm. rolling, it just gains traction. And if you do not address it or repent from it, it gets out of control. And so you have God telling Cain, uh, sin is crouching at your door. Mm. He, he's saying, listen, why are you so angry? Why are you so downcast? Like he's literally coming to him, letting him know, listen, I see the anger, which is going to lead to murder. And I think what is intriguing is, and your face is downcast. So while Eve is choosing to talk with the snake instead of with God who gave them everything in the garden, now you have Cain who his eyes and his gaze is down away from God instead of looking to God. So we've got Eve who doesn't talk with God, and now we've got her son who won't even look to God. And I think that that is... Um, a great metaphor for how sin is in our life. We know when we're in sin, the shame, the guilt, the way we're trying to hide it, the way we won't look people in the eyes because we're lying or we've done something we shouldn't. You know, as a child, you don't want to look at mom and dad when they call your name and you know you're in trouble. And it's that downcast, like, I don't even want to look at God right now because I know what I'm already contemplating or I'm involved in. And sin has gotten to that point that quick. And I think it's crazy because awesome. God had the conversation with Cain. God came to Cain. Cain didn't go to God. God sought Cain out. And I think the downcast is the position. 
And that's what to me was, was very evident is it's the position of his gaze. What did he choose to look at? You know, and then when it talks about sin crouching at your door, it says you must rule over it. And so that gives us hope that we can rule over that. And sin is there, but we can rule over that. We can have dominion over that. And all Cain would have had to do is in his heart where it was anger, all he would have had to do is say, God, you're right. God, I'm sorry. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's all. And change his 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 head from downcast to gazing up. And that's the conversation that Johannes had, you know, last or the, the message that he taught was don't look down at the serpent. Don't be downcast. Don't look down. Always look up. And that's where at the end, you know, I didn't have a lion on stage, but with the rat, it was change the position of your head, change the position of your heart. And when you do that, sin cannot rule over you. But when you have a downcast, when you when you allow yourself to have a pity party, when you feel anger, when you do all those things, and then one of the things that I was that was crazy is I asked the question, you know, Cain, um, did Cain want to murder Abel? Like, did he mean to? I mean, he worked the ground, you know. Abel worked the flock. So, like, the first dead body was Abel. So, did Cain want to? Did Cain just want to fight him? Was he just trying to smack him? And I got this in my head and I started chasing this, you know, just in my head, like maybe it was an accident. Maybe it was first degree, maybe it was second degree. What, what was it? There was never a murder. And so Johannes stopped me. It was so funny. He said, it doesn't matter that it actually happened because it was already in his heart. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's what you have Jesus later saying exactly. in the Sermon on the Mount. Wow. If you have anger, it's like murder you know he's not putting people that are angry in the same boat with murderers because i think sometimes we misunderstand that of jesus as we've talked and learned about this he's building a fence saying hey when the anger arises if you don't stop it yep. this is where it can lead all murder starts with anger yep. and it has to be addressed excuse and me and that's where god was trying to address that yes. prior yeah, yes. and that's what and he's not addressing problem. it, and it snowballs. So you have anger, yep. you have murder, and then you have a lie. Hey, where's your brother? I don't know. Am I his keeper? Right. So now you're lying to the face of God after you've committed your sin, and this yeah. is what we get trapped into doing. Our sin takes us down a path we never wanted to go because we didn't address it when it first arrived or the serpent started speaking to us or we knew the lion was crouching at the door and we stepped into it. It's why we tell people like, you would think about like the downcast, people that view pornography and it's an addiction for them. What do they do? They find a place no one else is most of the time yeah. and they're downcast hiding it to view it. It's why I say, you know, um, strip clubs, they, they have no windows on them. Why? Because they don't want you to see what's happening inside this place. And they want it hidden. And the enemy thinks, hey, if you can hide your sin or you can, you know, you think you can control the sin, just keep going. And before you know it, it jumps up and it bites you and it devours you. And when you look at it, I think what's interesting within the story, and, you know, as we said on Sundays, we don't have time to unpack all this, is that different sins have different consequences, and people don't get this part of it. You know, you know, did God, die, did Jesus die for all sin? Yes. However, it never says anywhere in scripture, all sin is equal. What we find throughout scripture is that different sins have different consequences. You take, you take God's consequence for Adam and he tells Adam, you are cursed to work the earth. 
So this is part of your consequence of your sin. You will forever labor in the earth and work it, the, the sweat of your brow. For Cain, he tells him, he says, you will be rejected by the earth. So your father is cursed to work it for his sin. Your sin, you will be rejected by the earth. And and when you look at it, his consequence goes further because it tells us in the scriptures, it says, from your face, I shall be hidden. So now we know God is letting us know, I can't look upon you because you've chosen sin and your sin has separated you from me. So now God can't look at him and then God sends him away from his presence. It says to the land of Nod, which the word Nod in scripture is actually wandering. So really he sends him away and he's left wandering aimlessly from the presence of God because he didn't stop it at anger. He took it further and then he turns around and lies to the face of God. And this is a big picture of the snowball of sin that when we have friends or family or people in church, you're like, listen, I, I see this, or I know, listen, you've been tempted by this. Don't take that next step. And we do it anyways. We don't realize the consequences and the fall and the outcome of all of it. And it's all being played out right here in Genesis 4. My dad used to always say, um, sin takes you farther than you want to go, keeps you longer than you want to stay, and costs you more than you want to pay. Mm. And a pastor, I'm sure, you know, is where he heard that from. But I thought that was, that. I mean, that's the story of Cain, you know. It takes you farther than you want to go. You know, it keeps you longer than you want to stay. And for Cain and for all of us, it will cost us more than we ever want to pay. And so that's why it is crouching at the door. It is there and we do have to rule over it. We do have to have dominion over it. And the only way we can do that, you know, is, is to, to gaze on him, to gaze on God, to talk to God. Don't talk to the serpent, change your position, change your heart, you know, and allow and live your life at a spiritual altitude where sin can't survive. Yeah. I talked to a guy yesterday, um, Dan, who's, um, who's just a great guy, uh, at church and he always comes up and, uh, and gives you like a really good feedback about your message, whether it was good or bad or, or <laughs> yeah. um, and, and, and what you could have added. And so I love it when he does it in between services. Cause if he's got good stuff, I can always incorporate <laughs> it. Um, but he said yesterday, he said, you know, when you're flying in a plane, um, on the way up, you see benefit. So it's not when you get to your altitude. So with the story yesterday about the rat in the cockpit, which is a true story, by the way, um, when, when he, the pilot was going to a higher level, the gnawing got less, the scratching got less, the biting got less because the rat had to focus on other things. Right. And so as your spiritual altitude is changing in your life on the way up, you're receiving benefits already. So it's not one day when I get to the right switch altitude, I'll get all the benefits. And he was saying, you know, the benefits come along the way. So as you make the adjustments, as you begin to change the position of your heart, as you begin to, to do those things and to bring God your best, as you're doing those things, you reap the benefits along the way. And that's the thing that, you know, I think is important for people is you can make steps and changes today that you will see benefits from today. You know, and the more change you put in your life, the more you pursue righteousness, the more, you know, you bring God your best, the more you allow your life to speak of things of, of him, the more you do that, just one little step at a time, you know, you'll see benefits along the way. I think that, that that's the, I think the, 
the nail in the head for, you know, this chapter, you know, as, as you read, you read a chapter and it's about murder and sin and consequences and, and offerings and someone's heart being stingy towards God. And you know, all this stuff, you're like, yeah, okay. Does the story have any goodness in it? <laughs> what's, what's the benefit in the story? And I think it's the bookend of how chapter four is written. You know, Chad pointed out yesterday that, um, that Eve makes it clear that Cain was, a child that was given by the help of the Lord and yet becomes a murderer, right? But it's very clear in the scripture was given by God, by the help of the Lord, this child. And, you know, in, in Genesis three, we know God already makes a promise that he's going to stomp the head of the serpent that tempted Eve and, and Adam. And, and it's, you know, it's going to come through her offspring and the very ending of chapter four ends and it says and Adam knew his wife again in verse 25 and she bore a son and called his name Seth and she said God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel for Cain killed him so to Seth also a son was born and they called him Enosh and at that time people began to call upon the name of the Lord and so it's this bookend at the very end of the story of the reminder that God said listen my promises stay true I stay faithful to to the things that I have given and declared. And so he gives them another son and she declares this is the appointed one. Mm -hmm. She knows that that God is going to stay faithful in the midst of their family tragedy, you know, and this tragic picture of sin and and, and murder and loss and all that stuff. And, And yet it says that just within the next generation, because of Seth being this appointed one, people were calling upon the name of God. And, and so it's just that reminder within the story, the shadows of the Messiah, that God's faithfulness to bring the savior into the world. He works it even in the hardest, darkest stories. I'll say this and then we can close, but to, to include or to, to go a little bit farther, you know, Seth, what's Seth's son's name? Enosh. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so then Cain also had a, a, a son and do you know what his name was? Same name. Right. And then his son, Enoch, became uh, a ruler of murderers. And he founded a city that was all known for murder throughout. But yet the Enoch that, that Tim is talking about was Seth. How did he get to heaven? How did he get with God? There was no sin. Right. And he was lifted up. Right. And so you look at that and you see two Enochs again. One, bore of a murderer, became a city and a town known for murder. And then the other one, born of Seth, lived perfect in the eyes of God and was taken to be with God without sin. And it shows that generational sins can happen. And if yeah. it is our responsibility to break the generations, mm. you know, and it's our responsibility to do what it's like, not just for our life, but because our, our, our families and because of our children, and because of those that come after us. And we break it by paying attention to the voice of God. The voice of God came to Cain. Sin is crouching at your door. Why are you so angry? And he, he, listen, I'm coming to you now. So you don't go there. And that's when people are like, well, how do I break the generational sin? You listen to the voice of God. You don't talk to the snake. You don't downcast your view and your eyes towards the ground or towards the, the, the sin. You keep them gazed upon God. Man, this is some good nuggets. Nuggets, man. Very, very good. Man, uh, very awesome, very awesome stuff. Guys, if you have any questions whatsoever, you want to come a little further with this, 
Uh, you can submit your questions at postsundaypodcast at genesischurchorlando.com. We'll have that up and running for you guys. Um, also, go ahead again, and uh, you can find additional resources on this topic and our previous ones at genesischurchorlando.com backslash the never-ending story. We got a ton of resources and things that you can follow us year-long with as we continue on this amazing, amazing year-long series. But once again, we hope that you guys were blessed. Don't forget to follow us on all streaming and podcast platforms as well as Instagram at Post Sunday Podcast. We hope to have you guys with us next week as we continue on this never-ending story. Uh, Thank you for tuning in. Grace and peace. Thanks for listening to the Post Sunday Podcast presented by Genesis Church. A place to go further, discover more, and to learn things you possibly never have. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Genesis Church Orlando and at Post Sunday Podcast. Till next time, grace and peace to all of you.